Well, in the first session, we sort of introduced the idea of Christian ethics. Uh, and if you missed that, I do have the PowerPoints here. Uh, and there's also, it's on the web if, you, if you're really interested. Uh, but we're going to have a look, start to have a look at different issues, uh, ethical issues which, which affect Christians. Uh, and think about what our response needs to be. What, or should I say, what a biblical response uh, should be. And tonight we're going to look at the topic uh, of abortion. Uh, first of all, just a few statistics so that we can grasp how important an issue this is. Uh, currently, our latest figures in the UK, uh, 500 abortions are carried out each day. Uh, that works out at one every three minutes on average. Uh, in the US, things are worse, but they have a bigger population, I suppose. 3,000 abortions every day in the US, uh, which works out at one every uh, 30 seconds. So it's a considerable uh, number of abortions we are talking about. In fact, uh, I read another statistic that if you uh, added up the number of abortions in the United States since 1973... Uh, which I think is when it became uh, legal, uh, you would have, have have the population of the United Kingdom uh, have been uh, uh, wiped out through the through abortion. It's uh, we're talking huge numbers of uh, of babies. It's not a new practice. Uh, you, actually, you can go back to 1500 BC to ancient Egypt uh, and find references to abortions uh, occurring then and it also occurred uh, in ancient Greece. Uh, pregnancies in, the, in those days were administered through uh, abortion-inducing uh, herbs, uh, the use of sharpened implements uh, and the practice of, of abdominal pressure or this and various other means were used to induce abortions. And the Bible doesn't directly address the issue of abortion. Uh, you will find no direct references to it, and that has led some to uh, say, well, perhaps the Bible in biblical times, the practice was accepted. Brothers have argued and said, well, perhaps the Bible writers considered it so abhorrent that no further comment was necessary or perhaps they felt uh, scripture already gave enough of an indication as to what our, uh, what our, what, what, how, how we should think about the matter. Now if you consider modern views on abortion then they fall into two main categories or two main groups. There's what are called the pro-choice group and they're, they're pro-abortion and they would argue that the woman has the right and the freedom to control what happens to her body. Further, they would argue that the unborn child, certainly up to a certain stage, is, is subhuman uh, and just an extension of the, of the woman's body and therefore she has the right to choose whether to allow the pregnancy to continue or not. That would be the argument of those who we refer to as pro-choice. Then you have what are called the pro-life group. And they argue that the unborn 
child is fully human from the moment of conception, uh, which, which means it has rights from that time, including the right to life. Uh, and they would further argue that the killing of an unborn child, therefore, is murder. Much of the ethical problem is focused around the status of the uh, fetus or embryo. Uh, and two key, key questions in the debate uh, are considered. Uh, first of all, when does uh, this embryo become a human person? Uh, and then secondly, uh, what does that mean to be a human person? If we consider Aristotle, uh, the uh, ancient Greek philosopher, he considered that an embryo gained a human soul at 40 days if it was a male baby and at 90 days if it was a female baby. Up until that point, uh, the the baby had a, a vegetable or an animal soul. Uh, and so his view was that before that 40 days, if it was a boy, and 90 days, if it was a, a girl, then it was acceptable to abort. St. Augustine believed that abortion of a fetus with human limbs uh, and human shape was murder. However, before that time, it seems that his... Uh, views on abortion appear to be very similar to Aristotle's. Now, Aristotle defined personhood in terms of properties. There's Aristotle. Couldn't get a, good, a better picture than that of him. Appears they didn't have cameras in ancient Greece. All they had was chisels and pieces of rock. <laughs> but, uh, but that's... He defined personhood in terms of properties. And this is the commonly held view by those who from the pro-choice group. Basically, they would argue that an embryo only becomes a person, a human person, when it starts to develop certain human characteristics. Those characteristics might be its shape. In other words, it develops limbs. Uh, or some mental capacity or mental ability. So, for example, the ability to sense the world or the ability to sense pain. So this is, it's, it's defined by the properties uh, of, of a human. Now, I think you would agree that this is a very subjective approach because it very much de depends on what property you actually choose. Uh, so, for example, you could choose uh, the moment when the embryo gets a full set of genes. Uh, and so that's the moment of conception. We could argue that uh, is the point when it becomes a human person. And at the other extreme, you could argue that it's the moment when a baby takes its first breath. Then it becomes a, a human person. And you could have anything in between. So it's a very, very subjective approach. The other view is, is, is to consider uh, the essence or, or substance uh, and use this to define whether uh, an, an a embryo is, is, is a human person or not. In other words, the argument is that basically because some, does, something doesn't appear to be human does not mean that it isn't 
human. That they argue that the, the argument is that the essence of being a human is there all the time from the moment of conception. And this is held by the, the pro-life group, this view. Uh, and so es the essence of being a human is, is present from, from the moment of conception. That's the essentialist view. Uh, and we could argue that this view is supported now by, by our understanding of genetics. Uh, that's at the moment of conception, that, that, uh, that egg and that sperm fuse, and, that, and, and the embryo that's created has a full set of human genes. And from that moment on, with the help of the mother, obviously it has the potential to become a fully formed human. So those are the two views. And what I want us just to consider really this evening is what the Bible's view is. That's the important thing for us. And so what I'd like you to do uh, together, uh, maybe in small groups, is just to review, first of all, those scriptures. There's quite a few there. Cover Old and New Testament, full sweep of the Bible, and try to understand what those scriptures are teaching. Now, as I've said, none of them will speak directly about abortion, but we, we can take the teaching of these scriptures to give us a scriptural view. That's the, that's the idea. Okay, so, so perhaps we could, you could spend the next 10 minutes maybe reviewing these, these scriptures. So there's Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, Genesis 9, verses 5 to 6, Exodus 21, verses 22 to 23, Psalm 51, verse 5, Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Matthew 1, 20 to 21, and Luke 1, 26 to 27 and verse 31 and Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15. Okay, let's, uh, let's try and review what those scriptures are telling us then and see if we can uh, get a picture of what the Bible's view is on this. Uh, you start off right back at creation uh, where God creates the first humans uh, and we see right at the very beginning that humans are created in, in God's image. Uh, we don't have time to go into exactly what that means. It's a big theological question. Uh, but what we can be certain of is that it bestows on humans, uh, human life, a, a dignity. Uh, which the other animals, well, which, which other animals uh, don't don't have. So that's, that's the teaching from that passage. Uh, but if you then link that to Genesis chapter 9, that passage there, you can see that because humans are made in the image of God, life must not be taken. Okay? Uh, it's, uh, we, we have what we call sanctity of, of human life. Uh, we, we cannot just go and kill other humans uh, because if we do, God will call us to account for that. Uh, if we consider the creation account in a bit more detail as well, what we'll, we'll see is that uh, 
I should have said that. Uh, put that spot that on the on the on the PowerPoint there. We also see that God has got a purpose for humans as well. Uh, as you read through the creation account, you'll see that God's purpose for humans is uh, in one one thing is to have a a relationship with Him. That comes across very much uh, in the creation account, uh, and also to have a relationship with other humans uh, and we have the you know that that relationship of, of marriage described uh, to us in in Genesis chapter 2 the, of the first two the first two humans uh, and and uh, one of the purposes of marriage we, we read in Genesis 1 28 is to is, is procreation it's to fill the earth that's one of God's purposes for marriage. Uh, so we need to understand that. And we'll come back to, to that uh, in, 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 a, in a meanwhile. God's, God's purpose, God's goal for humans. So we see Genesis 9-6 showing that killing other humans is forbidden. And God's purpose for mankind is, is mutual love relationship with himself uh, and with other humans. And also a purpose of marriage is, is procreation. But then we know that sin enters the world, don't we? And sin is a rejection of, of God's rightful rule. Uh, humans become selfish creatures, uh, wanting to follow their own way and not God's ways. Uh, and that includes the freedom to, uh, wanting the freedom in inverted commas to determine what happens to our, our own bodies. Uh, the Bible reveals elsewhere that that freedom is, is an illusion. We're actually uh, in bondage to sin. Uh, but really, abortion is, an, is another example of humans rejecting God's rightful rule on their lives. An interesting passage is that one in Exodus chapter 21. Uh, it's to do with uh, someone causing a pregnant woman to, to miscarry. Uh, and we're told there that where, where there is harm, uh, you shall pay life for life, uh, and it carries on. Uh, in other words, uh, understanding that passage is that, that the, the life of the, the unborn baby is treated in the same way as, as the life of, of a, a born human being. Carries the same penalty uh, for both. Uh, which is interesting, isn't it? You know, it's, there you can see very clearly that the Bible considers uh, that the baby has the same status as the mother uh, and uh, other human life. If you want to butt in at any point, please do. If you've got if you've got any comments to add or, or, or questions or anything, please please feel free to butt in. Then we come to the uh, the passage uh, in the Psalms, which says that we are sinful from conception. Uh, sin is a human characteristic, uh, and it's an uns being assigned here. This human characteristic being assigned to the unborn child from the moment 
of conception. And so from that verse alone, there's a strong argument that God considers uh, the child human from that moment, from the moment uh, of conception. Then we come to the uh, Psalm 139, and I've also linked with that Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, where it reveals that God sees our unformed bodies. Um, and God formed us, it says, doesn't it, in Psalms, in our mother's wombs. Uh, and we get the picture there of God overseeing personally the development of a child in the womb. And really, if we tamper with that unborn child, we are tampering with God's, God's handiwork. Uh, and therefore, sh- sh- you know, terminating a pregnancy uh, m- must, must be sinful. Uh, so those passages show how God knows us intimately before we were born and he also is involved in our, in our form, formation. Uh, and again, in, you know, a strong argument there that God considers the unborn child as, uh, as fully human. Then we come to the narratives uh, of Christ's birth. Uh, and from those passages, it's clear that the Christ was the God-man from the moment of conception, from the moment the Holy Spirit conceived uh, Christ in, in, in Mary's, Mary's womb. Uh, and again, another strong argument there that if, you know, if Jesus was, was, was God-man from the moment of conception, then in our cases, surely, you know, we, we can logical conclusion is we, we are human from, from the moment of conception as well. And then that passage in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, and other, other passages you might want to look up as well, uh, we talk about humans being set, a, set apart by God from birth or in some cases before birth as well. So, just a summary there of, of the teaching uh, of, of the Bible. Any, any comments any, any, on that? Anything you, I've missed or, or anything you want to ask? I just want to put an, an alternative viewpoint to you. Uh, the, the ethical argument that we've talked about is, is very much centred around the status of the, of the unborn child and at what point that unborn child becomes a person. Uh, however, perhaps it would be helpful to look at this issue from a different standpoint and rather, rather than considering the status of the child... Consider for a moment the obligations or responsibilities of the parent. Uh, what are the parent's responsibilities? Now, at the very beginning when we talked, looked, looked at those scriptures from creation, we said that God has a particular goal or purpose for humans. That they come into, into a relationship with him, a vertical relationship but also that they enjoy horizontal relationships with other, other humans. 
This is God's purpose for uh, humans. And we could just as easily argue then that if that is God's purpose, then the parents have the duty, the responsibility to do all that they can within their power to ensure that that purpose, that goal is met for the child. And clearly, uh, abortion is preventing God's goal for, for that child uh, to, you know, to occur. Uh, and I think that's a, a strong argument. And it makes the argument about the status of the embryo irrelevant if you look at it from that point of view. Uh, the parents have the responsibility to uh, in, do all in their power to ensure that God's goal for humans uh, is allowed to, to happen, to take, to take place. Okay, summary then, before I give you some more work to do. Scripture, and I would argue that modern genetics, our understanding of modern genetics, support the view that human life begins at conception. Humans are created in God's image, and the life of the unborn child is precious to God. I think we've, that comes across very clearly in, in some of the scriptures that we've, we've considered. The Bible upholds the sanctity of human life and condemns the taking of innocent human life. This extends to the taking of unborn human life. And uh, taking up that last point that I made, that humans are obliged to ensure that the unborn child is allowed to attain the goal that God has for it as much as they possibly can within their power, of course. So, that, as I would argue, is a Christian ethical view on the subject of abortion. But, as you know, there are always difficult cases. And this is what I'd like you to spend the last sort of five minutes or so just really discussing in your own uh, groups. Because people will always throw these, at, at these, at these arguments at you. What about then, how, do, how should we respond as ethical Christians, to the case of an ectopic pregnancy. Uh, if everybody knows what that is, if you're not, it's when the, the embryo lodges in the fallopian tube and starts to develop there. And obviously, that, that, that if left to develop there, then the woman, the mother, would, 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 uh, would die. Uh, and other cases where the, the mother's life is in danger... What about the case of a deformed baby? Uh, and what about the, the victim of rape? Uh, they're all difficult cases. And so perhaps in your groups you might want to consider what would be an, uh, the Christian's view uh, on, the, on those, those cases based on what we've, what we've been saying.